It's one of the most iconic sounds in nature. And it comes from an animal that's intertwined with human history, Panthera leo. From as far back as the Bronze Age to the indistinguishably digital version that appears on movie screens, the lion has been a part of our consciousness through the ages. It has always been revered as one of nature's special creations, and has commanded respect, love, and fear in equal measure. But there is an ongoing and alarming truth about lions: they are fighting for survival. While pockets of populations are stable and some are even thriving, there's no denying that the number of wild lions across Africa has declined rapidly over recent decades. In this podcast, we explore the reasons why. We speak to global experts about the state of lions in South Africa and beyond, and we discuss some topics that you may find uncomfortable. There are stories of hope, though, and a surprising amount that every podcast listener can do to help with the plight of lions. This is Blind Conservation Lion Stories. My name is Spike Ballantine. My co-host is Anthony Meadera. This is Blind Conservation. In this podcast, we talk about apex predators that are, for one reason or another, or multiple reasons, on the cusp of extinction, or are in great danger of not being part of our natural legacy in future. In this episode, we explore lions,、uh, which for me is an amazing prospect to think that. The king of the jungle, as it's called, is in a position where it might not be around for that much longer. And Ants, I don't know about you, but for me, growing up, I don't know what it was about lions, but they always managed to hold something special for me. I've been lucky enough over the years to have some great encounters with them, and there is just some. There's a magic about those beasts that that is just so incredible. Yeah, I think、uh, that from my side, this is also very close to my heart, like yourself. I grew up going to our many game reserves that we have in South Africa, and Africa without a lion is just almost feels like it's not Africa. Yeah. And、uh, yes, we we talk about all the history and what it comes from, but what I've been fascinated by is if you look deeper into the behaviour and what they're about and how they interact with each other, what an incredible animal it is,、mm. and it, I'm absolutely fascinated with it. Now, you mentioned history there, and one thing we found out in in the course of researching this podcast is that. Lions have been part of human history for probably a lot longer than most people would think. To get a perspective on that, we spoke to a globally recognised expert in lion conservation. My name is Amy Dickman, and I'm the director of the Rawaha Carnival Project in Tanzania and the joint CEO of Lion Landscapes. We started out by asking Amy just why she thinks lions have the cultural standing that they do. I think lions have had this hugely important place in our hearts. Literally, you look back at the very first figurative art that people ever carved out of woolly mammoth ivory forty thousand years ago, and it's the head of a lion on a human body. You know, we've got them in cave art from thirty thousand years ago. For all the way through human history, we've revered lions and feared them at the same time. And so, I think for us to lose that would be a massive shame for humans beyond just all the you know ecological and intrinsic value that lions have for themselves. And more pragmatically, if you do safeguard species like lions, because they require such big areas of landscape, 
then you tend to have this umbrella effect where you can secure all this other biodiversity that doesn't tend to get the same attention that species that like lions do. So I think if we can figure out solutions for species like lions, then it has a lot of positive impacts, both hopefully for people and for wildlife. One of the interesting things to come out of the research into lion conservation and lion numbers is that if you look at lions in a South African context, they're actually fine. We have enough lions uh, either in the wild or in captivity uh, to not have any concern. But if you look at lions throughout Africa and throughout the rest of the world, there is a very, very big problem. And I suppose it's a lot to do with human interaction and going more and more encroaching into the lion space. For every wild lion, there are 14 African elephants and 15 Western lowland gorillas. And there are more rhinos than lions. And there's a lot of information about what's happening with our rhinos. And the lion species has disappeared from 94%. I mean, that's just a scary statistic. It's uh, unbelievable. Of its historic range. And, and, and it's now limited to 1 million square kilometers rather than the 30 million square kilometers that is Africa. Mm. Um, and there's an estimated 25,000 wild lions in Africa, which is nothing. So there are a lot of reasons why lions find themselves in the particular peril that they're in, and we'll get into a number of those reasons. But sadly, and quite unsurprisingly, most of those reasons are man-made. And one of the big factors is, as you mentioned, Ant, is human conflict Mm. with people encroaching into lions' uh, territories and lions having to find other territories to find their food because of human activities like farming, for example. To help us understand the concept a little bit more, we spoke to someone who's on the front lines of lion conservation. My name is Adam Bannister. I'm a South African currently living in Kenya. I'm a biologist by trade, um, but I've done a lot of guiding, a lot of photography, a lot of filmmaking, and a lot of research into lions across the continent. For most people, the idea that lions and humans ever come into contact in a wild environment is quite foreign. Surely all lions are either in zoos or reserves or in other places where they and humans are separated. As Adam explains, though, that's not always the case, hence the conflict. So the situation with lions in certainly in East Africa, and by East Africa I'm talking largely Tanzania and Kenya, is quite different to that of certainly South Africa. So in South Africa you've largely got fenced off uh, reserves, whereas up here in Kenya there are very, very few fences containing animals. So the Maasai Mara in particular is an open system. There's nothing surrounding the the national park, and so there is no boundary. And the lions frequently move out of the reserve into the community grazing lands around the reserve, and that is where the conflict happens. Adam, I almost don't want to ask this question because I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but is the problem because lions are encroaching on human areas looking for food, or is it because humans are encroaching on lions' territory because, you know, they're being humans? The reality is is, is the conflict is largely being brought about through, in truth, overpopulation, just a growing population on the outskirts of these national parks, outskirts of the Maasai Mara. That is then compounded by the fact that the Mara is a very seasonal area in terms of rainfall. Um, so we have huge, huge rainfall during certain times of the year, which the rain produces a lot of grass growth. The grass gets really tall, and so the prey moves away. That means that the territorial lines, the prides in the area, are a little bit strapped for food. So what they tend to do is they tend to move out of the reserve into the areas where the grass is shorter. Now, the reason that grass is shorter is largely because the cattle from the locals um, are grazed in that area. So that is the, the forefront of the, the conflict. 
the one thing that I find quite disheartening about this particular aspect of, of lion conservation is that when it comes to, to human and lion conflict, you know, farmers, for example, will always protect their cattle and lions are secondary because they get in the way of the farmers, you know, earning an income. We have to look at it pragmatically and work with the communities to try and ensure that they can coexist because we understand it's a lot of money for the farmers. It's their livelihood. So you can understand that part of it, but then we should really try and work out how we can manage both situations because right now it seems like the line's on the short end of the stick. Yeah, absolutely. We will get into some of the work being done in that uh, field exactly of protecting cattle and lions at the same time. But the other part of the problem with human conflict is the trade in bushmeat. So there's two halves to this. The one is that people aren't hunting lions specifically to eat, but they are hunting other species in the bush. And lions then become the bycatch of that. We wanted to explore a little bit more this concept of the trade in bushmeat. And we spoke to Dr. Amy Dickman again. Specifically, the bushmeat poaching, yes, we're talking about people uh, snaring particularly the prey. And then that can, you can have bycatch of the lions where they get accidentally caught in the snare lines, for instance. Some people use poison to kill antelope, and therefore, obviously, that has impacts for other species. But just touching on the, the consumption of lions themselves, actually, lion body parts do have significant value in many of these areas, and not just the bones or the claws or the teeth, which people tend to think about. It tends to be things like the lion fat that has a lot of local use. And sometimes the lion meat itself, we certainly know that people have eaten lion meat, have taken parts of the lions to eat. So it's not particularly common, it's not as commercial, but certainly the use of lion fat is something that has an important local use and a monetary value. Well, what's lion fat used for? No, it's mainly used to ward off bush pigs. So um, in areas where they have crops, they tend to smear it around there. They use it for sometimes sort of medicinal, traditional uses. So it does have quite a, quite a range of uses. So it's something that is actually quite valued in many of these places. Amy, what is it that's driving the bushmeat trade? Is it because people are going out looking for food to consume? Or is it because they're serving a genuine market uh, that they can make money from? So it's driven both by local needs, so subsistence poaching, as you say, but also by there is trade for many species. And increasingly, there's actually quite a trade in bushmeat for external markets in places like New York, where there are people there who kind of value having some link to their roots, and therefore this becomes more of a status symbol. So there absolutely are international markets in bushmeat, there are local markets, and it really depends on the local complexities of every situation. But bushmeat poaching in particular is a huge threat for lions, and it's been found it's one of the reasons why there's very depleted prey, even in many protected areas. And obviously that has a knock-on impact for lions as well. So it's really important in each place to understand which of those drivers is really impacting the bushmeat. How much is it to do with food insecurity and poverty? And how much is it to do with an external trade that's more about commercial trade and wealth? And you need to understand that to be able to put it in the best solutions. Whether on purpose or as part of a bycatch, a lion that's been killed has a number of parts that are sold illegally in various markets around the world. Based at Chwane University of Technology, Dr. Kelly Marnawick is a lecturer and researcher in the Department of Nature Conservation. She explains what the market for lion parts trades in. Yeah, the problem with illegal trade is it's really hard to quantify because of its nature being illegal. But what we're seeing by looking at seizures that um, law enforcement officials are making is that it's normally claws and feet, often the front of the face and the bottom jaw and the teeth of the lions is what's commonly traded. A lot of those items are used for belief use in South African countries. And then the claws and the teeth are often seen in consignments that are being illegally exported to the east where they're used for trinkets. 
And much like rhinos are poached for the supposed medicinal benefits of their horns, lion bones are believed to have benefits for humans. The bones are definitely used medicinally in the East. The history of that is that traditionally tiger bones were used and they steep the skeleton in like a wine and then they drink this tiger bone wine. And they do it for several reasons, but it's generally like a wellness tonic. But because of the conservation status of tigers, the use of tiger bones has been heavily restricted, in some cases illegal. And there's been a big motion to stop the captive breeding of tigers to supply the parts market. So in response to that, lion bones have now become a substitute for tiger products. So that's why lion and skeletons are exported for use in that traditional medicine use. And it's such a macabre thing for me that the lion bone trade in Africa has been impacted because of a ban of tiger bones in Asia. So they banned that trade and then the market just moved here to try to exploit our lions for that same trade to replace tiger bones. And it's all for age-old beliefs on medicinal purposes which holds no scientific evidence that any of this can work and it's inhumane what they're doing breeding them for these type of purposes. So once again, unsurprisingly, humans have got a very, very heavy hand in the plight of what is one of the world's most iconic species. In our next episode of Blind Conservation Lion Stories, we get into the controversy that is lion hunting. This has been an episode of Blind Conservation Lion Stories with me, Spike Ballantyne, and my co-host, Anthony Miederer. Our thanks to Dr. Amy Dickman, Dr. Louise Duval, Dr. Kelly Monowick, Stuart Dorrington, and Nicola Gerard. Blind Conservation is written and produced by me, Spike Ballantyne, and is a production of cliffcentral.com in South Africa. Find all the episodes of the Blind Conservation podcast series on the Cliff Central app or wherever you get your podcasts.